going to go with our group effort volume two today, and I think there might have been a group effort this morning to make me hungry for McDonald's. <coughs> for some reason, I started thinking about a double quarter pounder with cheese, no pickles, french fries, and chicken nuggets. But uh, great job, Brian and Randy, both, both very appropriate illustrations. As we continue, though, to think about this group effort that we have, when we take a step of faith, or as we move towards Jesus together, I think it's important that we understand the responsibility that we have as Christians. Not only as individual Christians, but as a collective group of Christians, as the kingdom of God. We are accountable for what we do. As individuals and as a group, we are accountable to follow Jesus and to fish for men, like we talked about last week. I think we are also accountable to remember God's promises. We're going to continue with the story of Paul on his journey to Rome on that ship. If you recall last week, just brief review, uh, they were in a storm. This storm had lasted for two weeks, and Paul had brought everyone together and told them what God had said. You will survive the storm, but the ship will be wrecked. We're going to pick up in Acts chapter 27. We're going to read 27 through 44. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm, we were being driven across the Sea of Adria. The sailors, since land was near, they dropped a weighted line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay on board. So the sailors cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all, and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat. All 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with the beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone escaped safely to shore. As we go forward in our group effort as Christians, we must remember God's promises. We must remind each other of God's promises. We must study God's promises, learn them, and live them every day of our lives. Today, using this story that we've just read about the Apostle Paul, let's look at some of the things that we know that we should be doing together as a group effort to make sure that we reach that shore 
that safety, that salvation through Christ Jesus our Lord. So what's the first thing we want to do? Again, as we remember God's promises, we want to ensure. Now, this is really a confusing thing for me. Some of you all are probably just right on this, and you know the difference between assure, ensure, and ensure. Right? Assure, ensure, and ensure. Confusing, for sure, um, to some of us that aren't quite as smart as the rest of you all. Uh, this one really baffled me all week long. I'm just thinking, is this the right word I want to use? But it absolutely is. It absolutely Because let's look at the difference real quick. A little English lesson. I hope that I get this right. First, insured. That's a little different. And insured is what they're hoping that the boat is. They're hoping that the boat is insured. There you go. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Because insurance is going to be important for, for this boat. But what about ashore? We can be, uh, we can rest ashore in God's promises. Right? We can assure each other, and that's something that we should do as well. What can we be assured of? That God's promises always come true. Always. That God's principles can always be counted on. Right? Our God is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And that God's promise, prophecies always come to pass. His promises, his principles, and his prophecies. We can rest assured on this. But what about to insure? Second Timothy chapter 2, the second part of verse 2. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. That's our responsibility. That's something that we will be held accountable for. We must ensure that the truth we know is passed to others. That the faith is passed to the next generation of Christians. We must ensure to pass the baton of faith. And without a shadow of a doubt, that's an individual responsibility for each and every one of us. And it's most certainly our responsibility as a church, as a church family. So are we doing this? Are we really making the effort to pass that baton of faith? I think that we are. I think we could always do more. But we must do more. We must do all that we can to fulfill this mission. Think about it. Isn't really this fishing for men? Isn't really this following Jesus? We've got to be ready to tell people about him. Therefore, we've got to be ready to enlist. So we're not only going to ensure that the truth is passed, we're going to enlist Folks, to the Lord's army. Randy, you said it very eloquently. That's something that we get all the time. I would give my life to Jesus, but I'm not good enough. If that's ever said to you, here's how you should respond. You're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because if you're telling me that you believe in Jesus Christ, you believe he's the son of the living God, you're ready to follow him, but you don't think that you're good enough just yet, you're right. But, but you're ready. You're ready. If you realize that you're not good enough, folks, that's part of it. You've got to realize that you're not good enough. If you think, I'm good enough, and that's why I'm going to follow Jesus, man, you are not following for the right reasons. I'm following Jesus because I'm not good enough, and he's my salvation. He's the bridge. He's the only way for righteousness. Not good enough to enlist? You're right. But the Lord wants you anyways. That's why he sent his son to die for us even when we were still sinners, not when we weren't. Very, very well said, Randy. Thank you for that. So as these guys went on, 
again, continued their journey, we saw that they realized that there was some dangerous uh, direction going on. The, the water was getting more shallow. They were afraid that they were going to run into some problems. They, they, were, they were scared. They were scared to death. So they put out acres and uh, they, they sat still and they prayed for daylight. They're terrified. They're terrified. First of all, they're not trusting God's promise that Paul's already shared with them. But what's going to happen when you have this dangerous direction in your lives or as a group, as a church, as a country, when you have these dangerous things that are really going on, a dissatisfaction, if you will. If you're dissatisfied, maybe you're even ready to abandon the faith. Division can cause problems, without a doubt. And we all know that divided, we fall. Uncertainty and fear will bring division. See, we've got to remember that our choices matter. Like we talked about last week, our actions matter. As individuals and, and as a church, as a group, most certainly they do. And we see that in the story of Paul. Because the actions of these sailors were about ready to cause some problems. Remember, remember Paul said... Uh, to the centurions, to the soldiers. If these guys put this lifeboat back in the water, remember they'd raised it up onto the ship last week, they put it in the water and they swim away, you guys are going to die. Just straight up. Because you've, you've not agreed to the terms to stay together for God's promise to be fulfilled. They needed each other. The soldiers didn't know how to sail that ship. God's providential care was all over Paul, for sure. He was safe. So, so were Luke and... Aristarchus, no, no doubt. They're good. But they needed these soldiers. They needed to work together. It's a cohesive unit, right? Just like our church and our church family. We must stay together. We must be united. Because certainly as divided we fall, united we shall stand for Jesus together. So to be united, what do we need to do? We need to recruit. And we need to delegate. Yes, absolutely, 100%, we need to delegate the responsibilities. It can't just be all me or the elders, the deacons, or, or just a few of you. We've got to do this together as a cohesive unit, as a group, understanding that our objective is to follow Jesus and to fish for men. When we do that, I think that the boundaries are just limitless for us serving God. Some examples that we can look at in Scripture of recruiting and delegating come from the book of Mark. Jesus told the man who had been demon-possessed, He said, can I go with you? Jesus says, no, go home to your family. Tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. He has this responsibility now. This guy is going to take the message to ten different cities that Jesus hasn't even been to yet. And then he also, in uh, chapter 6, tells the disciples he's going to send them out two by two. Together. Not one by one, but together as a group. Uh, They went out telling everyone they met to repent of their sins and turn to God. They were recruiting, and they'd been delegated with some work. See, working together is imperative. We have to have this. So what happens when we have this shared responsibility, this group effort that's going to really equal a shared responsibility? A few things, just a few of many things. Number one, it's going to train people for the future. It's that level five leadership. You've got to have somebody in place to take your place in case you're not there, in case something happens, in case you're busy with something else, whatever it may be. We've got to be doing that. Now, that's not just for our church. That's for you and your own lives as well. Are we training for the future? 
I think that we need to be careful if we put stipulations that shouldn't be there on others before we'll agree to train them. What will happen to the future if we do that? Are we passing the baton of faith like we should be if we do that? We've got to train for the future. And it starts all the way with our youth program, which I'm so very proud of. Number two, it's going to protect from burnout. Now, this isn't just for me or Scott, uh, for, for any of us. If we get overwhelmed, and there's certainly, we you know what they say about churches, and these numbers might vary, but is that uh, 10% of people do 90% of the work. Some may say 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Is, is that true for us? Maybe, perhaps. Uh, but sometimes if we got too many people doing too many things, it, it runs us thin. When we delegate, it protects from burnout. Let's get everybody involved. And that's going to also improve communication because we understand our objective. And it's going to provide that team spirit, helping everyone to know how important that you truly are and that you should feel like you're part of this ministry. See, Hartford Christian Church isn't the ministry of Mikey or Scott or our elders. Hartford Christian Church is the ministry of the Christians in Hartford, Kentucky. And that's our responsibility. It's something that we should absolutely not underestimate. We've got to be fully convinced, folks, of what we're doing here. We've got to be fully convinced, my friends, that we've got to tell people about Jesus because eternity is on the line. We must be compassionate about it. We must certainly be convicted. Be part of this ministry. And what about doubts that we have? That, that maybe it's dissatisfaction. Maybe it's holding on to things that we shouldn't hold on to from our past. Whatever it is, I think we've got to do something to doubt. We've got to make it walk the plank. Or as they did in this story of, of Paul, they're going to cut that lifeboat and let it drift away. Why are they doing that? Because they're going to trust God. Cut it away. Trust God. Is there something in your life right now that's keeping you from committing fully to God? Cut it away. Trust God. Is there something that's making you doubt? Faith. Make it walk the plank. Get rid of it. It's not worth to keep it around. So what else are we going to do then? We're going to enlist. We're going to ensure the truth's passed. We've also got to continue to encourage. Now, there's many ways to do this, and you might even say right now, wait a minute, didn't we talk about this last week? Yes, and probably the week before that, and probably the week before that, and probably the week before that. And we'll probably talk about it again next week, too, because encouragement is something that I believe in when it comes to our church family. That positive reinforcement of, yes, you can, is something that I believe in for our church family, because that's what Jesus did. There's many ways to encourage Like we talked about in Sunday school, maybe it's just being there for somebody or listening. Or maybe it's just reminding each other of God's promise. Reminding each other of our objectives to follow and to fish. Or reminding each other of the blessings that we have. You know, that's something that has to be done with me every once in a while. You get down, you get upset, you get discouraged. Count your blessings. We've talked about that before and it's oftentimes easy to forget to do. We've got to encourage by motivating each other to do awesome things for God. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25 says, Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. 
And let us not neglect our meeting together, but encourage one another. The verse goes on to say, because the day of the Lord is coming soon. Folks, the day of the Lord is coming soon. We've got to do this today. We've got to encourage and love and do good today. And tomorrow, if tomorrow may come. But we can't wait to do these things. We've got to do them now. And together, we can really do awesome if we love and do good works Together, man, it's just so important and it's so awesome what we can accomplish and what we do accomplish. We might call it together. We might call it meeting together. I like to call it, Christians like to call it fellowship. I'm encouraged by fellowship, aren't you? When we have times of fellowship, including right now, I feel great afterwards. I get that, that re-energized by our church family. Ready to go and to, to reach people for Christ. I guess the trick is keeping that going all week, right? To remember all week long our responsibilities. But when we fellowship, what do we do? Just like what they did, they ate, they gave thanks, and they strengthened each other. These are all things that we like to do, right? Eating is important. Let's never underestimate that. Uh, has anyone here ever gotten hangry? Right? That's when you're so hungry that you get angry. Levi raised his hand. I know that's happened sometimes. Uh, I know a few people that have, for sure. Guilty as charged. Uh, we can get grouchy. Take care of yourself, right? Take care of yourself. Eat right. And, but give thanks. And we know this. Give thanks in all circumstances, like it says in First Thessalonians chapter 5. What are they doing here? They've been in a storm for two weeks. They've just been told, your ship is going to sink. But they eat and they give thanks. And strengthen, we're going to grow together. Together. Because you know what, guys? Here's some good news. There's some good news for these sailors and these soldiers and these prisoners. There's a new day coming. Oh, yes, there's a new day. See, the sun will come out tomorrow. And morning has most certainly broken. With that, I say let's rejoice. Enjoy the journey. And enjoy our journey of faith. Enjoy these group steps of faith. And remember that we've got a mission. Do it with joy, with, with a smile, with gladness. We've got to enjoy this journey. Let's look at a few ways that we can maybe do that even better. Let's start the day rejoicing. This is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Has anybody ever kind of sang that song when you first woke up? I put it as my alarm one time. And then, I don't know about you all, but if you ever have a song that you use for an alarm to wake you up in the morning, after a while, it gets kind of old and you don't like hearing that song. So I changed it because I want to make sure that when I hear that song, it reminds me to rejoice daily that I have Jesus in my heart. Start the day off like that. Don't start the day off with, oh, no. Woe is me. Now I gotta do this or now I gotta do that. Instead, start the day off saying, Thank you, Lord Jesus. Make time for God to study, to pray, just that quiet time between you and Him. Focus on your blessings, like we already talked about, such an important thing. Be enthusiastic about your responsibilities. That's tough sometimes, isn't it, if you got to do something you don't want to do. Now, I know last week I said, man, I had to mow my yard. Ryan wouldn't come mow it. 
He didn't mow it again yesterday. Even after that. But last week I was dreading going out there and mowing my yard. Now look, I'm not saying you've got to love it. But be enthusiastic. Yes, even about that. Be even about that. But especially about our responsibilities to follow Jesus and fish for men. If we're not doing that enthusiastically, we're not doing it right. Take time for fun. Enjoy life. Notice the beautiful things around you. Look for the silver lining in every situation and resolve that the next time something doesn't go your way to find the good in it. As you continue to look for that silver lining, we got to remember that we have to try our best with these things. To do the best that you can. Same with our faith. The same as our faith together that we're going to enlist, that we're going to ensure the truth, that we're going to encourage. Now we will endeavor. We're going to try. We're going to attempt. We're going to do our best. Mark Twain said, let us endeavor so to live so that when we come to die, even the undertaker will be sorry. And that's just a classic Mark Twain quote, of course. But that's the kind of life that we ought to strive to live. And when we're serving Jesus and we are having that fruit evident in our lives, this is how it will be. Hebrews 10.23 says, Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. We've got to keep going towards Christ together. That ship, of course, is going to now run into problems. They're going to be all full speed ahead. They're going to try to get the ship up on the beach so that they can just hop off of it. So they're cutting anchors, they're putting up sails, and they're heading towards the beach as fast as they can. However, they're going to have a problem. They're going to get stuck a little too soon. Folks, we've got to make sure we keep the momentum. We've got momentum right now in our community, in our own church family, with what we're doing. Let's keep that momentum. Let's keep it going all the way. How are we going to do that? We're going to work hard, and we're going to work smart. We're going to understand that a lot of times we need to look at quality over quantity. We're, we live in a, a, a day and age where um, it's all about how much you do instead of how good you do it. It's all about how busy you are. And I'm guilty because I'm busy. I'm telling you right now, and I know so many others are as well. But maybe instead we need to look at the, the process more than just the product. In other words, we're going to take root downward and bear fruit upward. We're going to really stand firm in Christ and we are going to reach out. We're going to follow Jesus as absolutely best as we can and we are going to fish for men. That is what our group effort will do. But guys, don't get stuck. Don't get stopped. Don't let anything drag you down. We have an objective to meet. There should be nothing within our church family that should stop us or slow us down from reaching out to people and growing stronger. If we do get stuck, what happens? Those waves start to pound. Those problems from the world and from our own lives start to break us apart. Let's keep our momentum. Let's keep it going. So what are these guys going to do? They are stuck. And now get out. Abandon ship. See the goal. It's right there. It's right there. The beach is right there. Safety, salvation, following and fishing, it's right there. What are they going to do? Oh, there's going to be different things that happen. Some are going to just keep swimming. They're going to stand firm. 
They're going to be strong. They're going to be courageous. They're going to make it seem easy to some of us. Others will make it on broken pieces. Think about that for a second. That's how it happened in the, the story. We might oftentimes like, like to think of, uh, of Paul helping some soldier to shore. But Paul, getting up in years at this point, he might have needed help. Whatever it is, the fact is, in our goal for faith, some of us may make it look easy. Maybe it's just making it look easy. Others are going to make it on broken pieces. In fact, most of us will. Most of us will make it on broken pieces. So what do we have to do? We have to help each other. We've got to grab on to all that we can to help each other out. To swim safely towards Jesus. His safety awaits. What happens with these, this crew? All 276 are going to survive. They're going to survive the storm and the shipwreck. Just like all who follow Jesus will survive eternally. All 276 are also going to have an experience to share. What a story to tell. I mean, besides the Christians on board there, I mean, they're, they're really Aristarchus and Paul and Luke. They've seen a whole bunch of awesome things at this point. But what about these soldiers? What about these guys on the ship, these sailors? What about the other prisoners? Boy, boy, are they going to have an experience to share. And it's only going to get uh, even more awesome as they go on to the island of Malta, as they see Paul heal people and survive poisonous snake bites, all because God has providence over him. Do you have an experience to share? Do you have a story to tell? I think that we all do about what Jesus means to us. But as Christians, our group effort, we most certainly have a story to tell. We've got to tell them about the story of Jesus. And to do that, we're going to have to endure Yep, we are absolutely going to have to endure all the way to the end. We're going to hang on tight with all our might. We're going to never let go of our objectives to follow and to fish. Our faith must endure. We must ensure the truth is shared. We must enlist others. We must encourage. We must endeavor. We must endure. Hebrews 10, 35 and 36 says, Do not throw away this confident trust in the Lord. Remember the great a reward it brings you. Patient endurance is what you need now. So that you will continue to do God's will. Then you will receive all that he has promised. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 2 says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Working together with one mind and purpose. You know what that says to me? We've got to get it. We must get it. What is it? That's what it means to truly follow Jesus. That's when we take me out of it. And realize it's not about me. It's not about you. But it's about serving him. It's about that working together in that group effort to serve him. In one mind. In one purpose. When we do this, when we truly get it, when we come together with a group effort like we've never come before, we exalt him. Folks, we've got to exalt him with all that we do. I'm asking you today to trust this promise. 
trust this promise that the Lord gives us. That we trust the responsibilities that we know that we have to follow Him, to reach for others. That we exalt Him by enduring, by encouraging, by endeavoring, by enlisting. Friends, I'm asking you today to trust that Jesus Christ is going to bring you to safety and realize that He's the only way to do it. And most importantly today, I say, let's do it together. Would you please bow with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for this opportunity we have today to be encouraged, to understand our responsibilities, to be prepared to endure and ensure, Lord, that the truth is passed. Help us to understand how drastically and crucially and urgently important this is. We ask that you will help us to be examples throughout our community through for, for each other. Examples that show that we follow you. Lord, help our example to, to help us to fish for people. Lord, today we ask for strength. We ask for guidance as we continue to, to move towards you. Lord, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to make it on broken pieces, but we ask that you will give us the strength to just keep swimming. We ask all these things, Lord, but most importantly, we thank you and we praise you and we exalt you. In Christ Jesus' name we pray, amen.